I hope you've got a Bible with you today. We're going to have a great time. Uh, if you do have a Bible, go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you're turning there, like I said, we're really excited to see you today. And, and, it, and again, if you're a first-time guest, don't forget to fill out that card and, and just indicate that you're a first-time guest. And in just a few moments, our uh, ushers are going to take up our offering. You can just drop those cards and those baskets. We're so excited to have you guys here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is where we're going to be. Uh, it, it'll be up here on the screen here behind me in just a few moments. But I know we just prayed, but hey, I like to kick it off uh, by prayer. So let's, uh, let's pray for just a moment. Let's pray, okay? Father, I pray that you'd be with us. Help us to pay attention, God. There's just, there's there's a lot that we're going to say today. And God, I think it's I, I think it's so important, God, don't let us miss it. We're going we're to talk about some big, heavy things today. And God, I believe that it can radically change a lot of lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts. God, keep us from any distraction and speak very clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. So hopefully you're at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17. But if not, as you're turning there, uh, you know I, don't know, I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible. But the Bible has some really big claims in it. The, the Bible, if you, if you, as you read the Bible, the, the Bible has some really big statements in it. It's got some really big claims that it makes all through the Bible. So the Bible will say, and this is for every single person in the room, the Bible will say that God made you, that God made you and He loves you, and that God made you and He loves you, and you were made by God for a purpose. So those are some big statements right there. None of you are an accident. It doesn't matter how many times your parents might be telling you you're an accident. Uh, you're not an accident. Uh, God made you and He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. The Bible says that about every single person in the room. I don't even have to know you to, to have that personal conversation with you and look at you and say all those things are true about you because the Bible says about you. Uh, the, the Bible says that, that all of our anxieties, God doesn't want us to, to have hearts that are filled with anxiety and stress and fear. Instead, God wants to give us His peace to fill our hearts. And so the Bible will say things like this. It'll say, cast all of your anxieties unto Him because He cares for you. And so whatever you're anxious about this morning, whatever problems you might be facing, God cares about you. And He wants you to cast all those things onto Him because his, his shoulders are big enough to carry it. He doesn't want you to carry it. Instead, He wants to fill you with His peace. That's a big statement. That's a big thing to claim. And another big statement that the Bible makes is right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So hopefully you're there, and if not, it's there on the screen. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, listen to what this says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You could just stop right there. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you're in Christ, you are completely brand new. If you're not in Christ today, you can be completely brand new. That's a big statement right there. But look, he just, just goes on. Look at the rest of it. He says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's a big statement. I know so many Christians, and all they do is they think about their past. They think about where they're not measuring up. They think about all the times that they 
blow it. And God says, hey, the old has passed and the new has come. You're a new creation. One of the verses that we're memorizing here for, uh, for 40 days in the Word, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. If, anybody, uh, th- th- if anybody's in Christ, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's a big statement. But here's the question. Is it true? Are any of those statements true? Is the Bible true? That's the question. This this morning we are in part three. Hopefully you've been a part of the series since we started. If not, you can just jump right in. We're in a really big series here for our church. It's called 40 Days in the Word. And, and really what we're what our desire is, what our prayer is, what we're aiming at here as a church in this series over these six weeks is that all of us have a deeper love of the Bible. And so, so a great way to jump into this series is for you to get involved in what we call life groups. Uh, life groups take what we do here and take it to another level. Small groups that get into the Bible together, they pray together, they do all kinds of awesome things together. It's a great opportunity for you to grow. You should be in a life group. And life groups are, are going through this series, learning how to study the Bible on their own. And listen, if you haven't been in a life group at all during this series, it doesn't matter. Just jump in one today. All right, there's one tonight, 6 o'clock at Jonathan and Katrina Jet's house. We've got, we've got more throughout the week. We can talk about it at the Next Step booth in the back. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But listen, if you're not in a life group, just jump into one. But today, what I want to talk about, what I want to try to answer is can we trust the Bible? Is the Bible true? Because listen, that's a big question. Because if the Bible is not true, we can all go home. If the Bible is not true, this is all a waste of time. But if the Bible is true or not, if it's true, then this is the most important thing in the world. And so I want to answer that question today. Is it true? Is the Bible true? And so maybe you're here today and you're asking those kind of questions. You're here, you're kind of on the spiritual journey. You're not a Christian. You've got a lot of questions. You're on the way. And one of those questions is, can we trust the Bible? Is the Bible really true? Or maybe you're here, you're a Christian. Maybe you're a new Christian. You're really pumped about Jesus. Uh, You've been a Christian for a long time. And you would say the Bible's true, but you don't know why you think it is. You, you've been told that it's true, but if we pressed you on it, we say, okay, well, tell me why it's true. You wouldn't know that. You just think that it is, because that's what you've always heard. That's what you've been taught, that it's true, but you don't know why you think it's true. So here's what I want to do today. We've got a lot of work. I want to give us six reasons why you can trust the Bible. Six reasons why you can trust the Bible. So if you're a note-taker, you want to write these six things down. If you're not a note-taker, today is the day to become a note-taker because you should remember these because you probably, if you're not asking these questions, you probably know people who are asking these kind of questions. Can you trust the Bible? Is it real? Six reasons why you can trust the Bible. Here we go. we got a long way to go in a short time to get there, so let's do it. Six reasons why you can trust the Bible. Number one, the first reason you can trust the Bible is because the Bible is historically accurate. You can trust the Bible because the Bible is historically accurate. Look at what it says here in uh, Psalm, all these verses are going to be up on the screen. Look at Psalm 33, verse 4. The very first part of the verse, it says this, The word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. The word of the Lord is upright, and what that means is that the word of the Lord is true. 
So the Bible is saying that the Bible is true. So, so the Bible would want you to know that it's true. It's not fairy tale. It's not fiction. It's not made up. That the Bible is about real people who lived in real time and real events happened. The Bible is real. And archaeology confirms that it's real. Archaeology confirms that the Bible's real. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll run into a group of people called the Hittites. And, and the Hittites, they're, they're a pretty important uh, people. They're a pretty important civilization in the Old Testament. And for years, for decades, for hundreds of years, the only place you could go to read about the Hittites is in the Bible. There, there was no place other than the Bible that spoke about a civilization known as the Hittites. And so people said, oh, well, see, the Bible's made up. There's absolutely no proof that those people ever lived. And then in 1911, over 120,000 tablets were found that confirmed that the Hittites were real. On these tablets, it talked about what they did for fun. It talked about their civilization. It talked about their way of life. And it confirmed what the Bible had already said. Now no one denies that they live. No one denies that they existed. But the first place you ever read about was the Bible. Let's give another example. Solomon. King Solomon. Solomon in the, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, one of the richest guys, still would be classified, one of the richest men who has ever lived. And a lot of people uh, who don't believe the Bible look at King Solomon and they, and they say, oh, well, there's no way that he had that kind of kingdom. There's no way anybody at that time had that much stuff. Specifically, the thing that gives a lot of people problems is, is that the Bible says Solomon had thousands and thousands of horses and stables. And people said there's no way for somebody at that time to have that many horses and stables. And then, in a city called Megiddo, you ever heard of Megiddo? You just get on 15, take a ride, you'll be about 10 minutes. Um, some of you are like, oh, let's go, let's go for it. Um, in a city called Megiddo, which the Bible says was one of Solomon's chariot cities, they found over one stalls for Solomon's horses. And it confirmed what the Bible had already been saying. Now nobody denies that Solomon had the kind of kingdom that the Bible has always said. Here's another example. When you read through the Bible, one of the things that the Bible is relentless about is giving you names of people and places, names of people who experienced what the Bible talks about, who saw what the Bible talks about, places where these things happen because the Bible is, is just relentless on getting you and I to believe there are eyewitnesses to these things. People saw it happen. So you don't need to turn there. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 is the longest chapter in the Bible about the resurrection. And it starts out this way. It starts out with Jesus rose from the grave and Cyrus saw him. And then 500 people saw him. And then he went here and here and here. And these people saw him. And the, the whole point is to say, hey, if you don't believe me, go ask this guy. He's alive. See, because when these letters were circulating, when they were written, these people were still alive. So if you didn't believe Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians, you could go ask Cyrus who saw Jesus rise from the dead. Because there are eyewitnesses to what the Bible talks about because the Bible is historically accurate. But maybe you're here and, and, and you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, you know, that all sounds good, but we all know that the Bible was changed over thousands of years because there's so many translations of the Bible, so, so many translations and copies of the Bible, we all know that it was changed. Well, listen, if you're here and you say that or you know somebody who says that, the only reason you would ever say that is because you don't know the process that scribes 
which were Old Testament copyists who had the copy co who had to make the copies of the letters that we have of the books of the Bible. The only reason you'd say the Bible's been changed is because you don't know what scribes went through to make copies of the letters that make up your Bible. See, when a scribe would sit down to copy, say, the book of Jeremiah or Genesis, they didn't copy it word for word. They copied it letter for letter. So what's that mean? Here's what that means. They didn't go this. Dog. Dog. Cat. There are no cats in the Bible. Did you see the video? See? We know there's no cats in the Bible. They didn't go dog, dog. They didn't go Jesus, Jesus. Here's what they did. D. D. O. O. G. G. Letter for letter. In fact, here's how detailed it got. This, was, this, this is crazy. Get this. It got so detailed that every scribe knew how many times a certain letter appeared in every book of the Bible. And after they got done copying that book, they went back and counted to make sure that letter was in there the, the appropriate number of times. And if it was not in there the amount of times that they knew it should have been, they threw it away and started over. That is a frustrating job. Praise Jesus, I didn't have to do that job. Alright? Listen, and it isn't, they didn't even stop there. They knew the middle letter. Here's how, you say, wow, this is crazy. They knew this was from God. They knew the middle letter in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, and they knew the middle letter in the Old Testament. They would count forward to that letter, making sure that, every, making sure that there was the appropriate number of letters to that middle letter. And if it was okay, then they were okay. And then they would count backwards from that letter. They would start at the middle letter and then count all the letters past the middle letter to the end of the book and if everything matched, if everything was okay, then it was a good copy. If not, they threw it away and started over. Listen, it was so accurate that maybe one of the things you've heard about was, was discovered this thing called the Dead Sea Scrolls. You've probably heard about that. The Dead Sea Scrolls, it's, it's, it's a copy of every single Old Testament letter. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, they're the earliest manuscripts we have of the Old Testament. I mean, before we found the Dead Sea Scrolls, all the other letters that we have were thousands of years uh, after the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so historians compared the Dead Sea Scrolls with all the other books of the Bible that we had, and they found virtually no difference. Nothing had been changed. Why? Because the Bible is historically accurate. Number two, you can trust the Bible because the Bible is scientifically accurate. You can trust the Bible because the Bible is scientifically accurate. Let me ask you a question. You answer this question by raising your hand. If you believe the answer to this question is what you do, whatever it is. Uh, how many people here today believe that the world is flat? Everybody, everybody so we Praise God, that was the way that it should happen. Um, but listen, listen, listen. Nobody believes that. But listen, when the Bible was written, that was the predominant thought at the time. Everybody thought that the world was flat when the Bible was written. Listen, if the Bible was made up, then you would think that it would reflect the science of its day, wouldn't you? You would think that the Bible would speak the same way everybody in the known world does. But instead, look at what the Bible says. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. It says this, It is He who sits above the circle of the earth. Do you see that? It is He who sits above the circle of the earth. Nobody thought that at the time. Nobody thought what you and I know and what Isaiah is saying there. So the question is, who told him that? God told him that. We could go on. Look at Job chapter 26, verse 7. It says this, He who stretches, he who stretches out the north over the wind and hangs the earth on 
nothing. He hangs the earth on nothing. See, the predominant worldview in every other religion of the day when the Bible was being written, everybody thought that the world sat on something. In fact, most religions, when the Bible was written, thought that the world sat on elephants. Now, you can't make that up. If you come to Summit, you know I say a lot of stuff, and I can't even go that All right? They thought the world sat on elephants. If there was an earthquake, you know how they explained it? And I promise I'm not making this up. The elephants were. Then somebody thought to ask who's holding up the elephants. That freaked everybody out. How you don't even want to go there? Okay, everybody just lost their minds. But listen, the Bible is saying something that scientifically nobody was saying, but you know is true today. Who told everybody? Who told Job and Moses and the authors of the Bible? Who told them these things? God told them these things. Did you know that just prior to the 17th century, it was thought there were only about a thousand stars in the universe? About a thousand stars in the universe. You and I know that's not true. If you go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 17, it says that there are as many stars in the heavens as there are sand on the seashore. Millions and millions and millions, more than you could ever know. Where did they get that? God told them that. Because the Bible is historically accurate because it's true. Number three, third reason you can trust the Bible? You can trust the Bible because of prophecy. You can trust the Bible because of prophecy. Listen, the only way you can explain the Bible's ability to to predict the future is that God wrote it. Take Jesus, for example. In the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus. 300 prophecies about who He was going to be, how He was going to die, where He was going to be born. Intricate details about Jesus' life over 300 of them and he fulfilled all of them several years ago a mathematician asked the question what's the probability that you could fulfill eight of those what's the probability that somebody could fulfill eight prophecies made about them thousands of years before they were born and they perfectly fulfilled them what's the probability that you could fulfill eight of those and here's what he found he found that the odds of fulfilling those it's the same odds as you covering the state of texas with silver dollars you mark one of those silver dollars you take somebody to texas you blindfold them and you say find it and they do it says it's virtually impossible for somebody to fulfill eight prophecies and listen jesus didn't just fulfill eight fulfilled over 300 prophecies. You can trust the Bible because it's, it's prophetically accurate. Here's one. The next one. You can trust the Bible because it has thematic unity. You can trust the Bible because of its thematic unity. You say that this afternoon around lunch, people think you're smart, but we all know before you used to drop this one Because of its thematic unity. What does that mean? Here's what that means. The Bible was written over 1,600 years from people on different continents at different stations of life. Some were doctors, some were pastors, some were governors, some were slaves. The Bible was written in the wilderness, it was written in palaces, it was written in dungeons over 1,600 years. And the Bible does not contradict in any place, in any way, in any shape or form. There's total unity. The only way you can explain that is God. Next one, number five. You can trust the Bible because Jesus confirms it. You can trust the Bible because Jesus confirms it over and over. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, Jesus uses a phrase and He says, It is written. 
It is written. And every time Jesus uses that phrase, what He's doing there is He's quoting the Old Testament and He's saying, hey, that's the Bible. God is speaking there when you read that. I believe that's the Bible. Jesus believed the Old Testament was the Bible. Even the people who wrote the New Testament, not only did they believe that the Old Testament was the Word of God, they believed that what they were writing was was the Word of God. They believed that they were writing God's Word. Jesus believed the Bible, so can you. Here's the last one. Last one. You can believe the Bible because it's it's historically accurate. You can believe the Bible because it's scientifically accurate. You can believe the Bible because of prophecy. You can believe the Bible because of thematic unity. You can believe the Bible because Jesus confirms it. And here's the last one. You can believe the Bible because of its power. You can believe the Bible because of its power. Listen to me. If you haven't checked in at all, check in right here. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says that the Word of God is living and active. So so this book that I have in my hand right now, the book that you've got on your laps, a lot of you, the Bible says that it's alive. It's, It's living and active. And what it means when it says it's alive, it means that the truth in this book has the power to completely change your life. The truth in this book that it points to has the power to revolutionize your life, to revolutionize your future, to realign and change where you think your life is heading. The truth in this book can change everything because it's alive. And so when the Bible makes a statement, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That statement is true, and some of you, you're the proof of it. Some of you, and you would tell me if you would agree with this, you've experienced the power that this book talks about, right? You, your life was going one way, and then all of a sudden, maybe somebody invited you to summit. Maybe you just heard some preacher on the radio. I don't know what your background was, but God spoke into your life, and everything changed. Have you ever experienced that? Is there anybody in the room that would say, you've experienced that? See, see, I'm not just trying to get you to clap to get you excited and to make sure that you're, that you're staying awake with me. Some of you are the testimony to the fact that this has power in it. Some of you have experienced the power of the promise that says when, when Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're, you're a testimony and people see your life of how your marriage should have been over, how you should have given up hope, but you didn't and you're still standing and you're still believing and you still have faith. Why? Because this book has power in it. What this book points to, it has power. And listen, if this book is true, then everything changes. If this book is true, everything changes. Let me tell you, this book is why we started this church. Because you got to know, I believe, we believe, everything in this Bible is inspired all the way through the maps. Even the maps are awesome. I mean, everything in the Bible is from God. And so we believe that God told us to start this church. Here's why. Because people without Jesus spend eternity separated from Him. People need a relationship with Jesus Christ. The hope of the world and of this city and of this region and of your life is Jesus Christ. And so the reason we started this church and why we're doing what we're doing and why you're here is because of this book. Because if it's true, then this changes everything. So let me ask a couple of questions in closing. Let me ask a couple of questions in closing. 
See, some of you are here, and maybe you're here today, maybe this is you. Maybe you're here today, and you don't believe the Bible. You do not believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Now, maybe that's where you're at. You don't believe the Bible. You're looking at it, and you say, Ah, you know what? I don't believe the Bible. I think it's, I think it's all made up. Or maybe you're here, you don't even believe in God. Let me talk to you for a second. Because first off, let me just say to you, Hey, you know what? When I was 18 and Jesus Christ stepped into my life, that's exactly where I, where I was. I told people I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in the Bible at all. And then Jesus Christ radically changed my life. And I'm here today because of what He did in my life and what He continues to do in my life. And He just won't leave me alone. But if that's you, talk to Because let me ask you this question. If you're here today, you say, I don't even believe in God. Let me ask you this. Have you examined all of the evidence in the universe so that you can Exclusively say there is no God. The answer is no. The answer is no. Say, I don't believe the Bible. Have you conclusively examined all the evidence so that you can absolutely say this is not true? The answer is no. See, here's what I want to say to you today. Maybe you're here and you're kind of laughing at this. You're kind of laughing at this really seriously. You're looking at it and saying, hey, you know what? Faith is for other people. It's not for me. I want to say to you this. Everybody in the room is a person of faith. Everybody has faith. It's just a question of where you've put your faith. And here's my question. Have you put your faith in something that's real? Have you put your faith in something that sustains? Have you cashed it in in the right place? Because if you're here today and you say, you know what, there is no God, there is, I don't believe the Bible, I don't believe all this, I just want to say to you, and I love you, and I just want to say, you better be. better be right. You better not be just a punch. You better not be something that maybe you'll figure out later. What if there is no way? You had better be right. Because if you're wrong, and you die, and you stand in front of Jesus, which the Bible says every single man and woman and child will be, that moment, you think about times like this. You'll look back on moments like this when it all could have changed. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, the Bible's true. The Bible's true. I believe the Bible. But listen, let me ask you a question. Have you done the one thing that the Bible presses more than anything else? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a point in your life where you have known that you've sinned? See, see the Bible is true when it says that we've all sinned. The, the Bible is true when it says that we've all been separated from God. And the Bible is also true when it says that Jesus loved us so much. He left heaven and came and took your place and died on a cross. And the Bible is true when it says that Jesus took every single sin you've ever committed. He took it on Himself. And the Bible is true when it says that Jesus came back to life three days later. And because He did that, you can be completely forgiven. And the Bible is also true when it says in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You can be saved. You don't, you don't go out and try to clean yourself off, keep a bunch of rules, start being holy, and then God will love you. No, listen, God already loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. What you need to do today is give Him your life for the very first time. That's what you need to do today. Maybe you're here, though, and you're hearing me, and you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. I believe the Bible's true. 
That's great, but it's the Bible you're authority. See, because God didn't give us this book just so that we could acknowledge that it's true and we live life however we live life however we want to live it. When you go to the Bible, God is telling you, hey, here's what life is meant to look like. Hey, here's what I've designed things so so that you can live this way. Here's what I've saved you to live for. Is the Bible the authority of your life so that it stands over you and more and more you're going to God saying, God, I want to live this way. I want to think the way that you're telling me to in your word. Or is there an area of your life where you're looking at it and you say, God, you can have all of this, but not that. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some decision you've got to make. But it's, God, this is all yours, but this is mine. Well, listen to me, church. That is what God wants to talk to you about. That is what God wants to deal with you today. Right there. Not all this stuff, not anything else. It's that. Some of you are here today, and you, and you come every single week. Yeah, I'm a Christian. The Bible's my authority. But you know what you need to do? You need to take the next step, and you need to be baptized. And you just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, trying to ignore it. God's telling you, hey, do it. Right there is what God wants to do with you. Before you take that step, none of this other stuff gets dealt with. Take this one first. If the Bible's your authority, if God really is who you say He is and who you sing about on Sundays, take that step. But is there an area in your life where right now He's putting His finger on it and saying, hey, I want to change you, man. I want to talk to you about something. Because if the Bible is true, then everything changes. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that, that your word is true. God, everything around us and every, every, everything points to the fact that this is not made up. This is not something that we just threw together. God, this is from you. And God, I believe that right now you are speaking to people. I believe, God, right now here in this room, there are people who need to give you their life for the very first time. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to stop pretending. And today is the day when everything changes for them. Today is the, the day when the old passes and the new comes. Today is the day for some people where they deal with an area, God, where they've been trying to, trying to shove it off and trying to ignore you for a long time. Today's the day they deal with it. So let me ask you a question with every head bowed and with every eye closed. Is there anybody in the room that would say, just by simply raising your hand, Mark, I know, I know that I've got a relationship with Jesus. I know that I'm a Christian, but He is dealing with me today about an area of my life. He's dealing with me today about an area of my life. And Mark, I want you to pray for me that I'll do what God is telling me to do in that area. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up. There's hands. Hands are going up all over this side of the room. God bless you. God bless you, those hands in the middle. You can put those down. Anybody else, you would say, God is dealing with me about an area of my life, and today's the day that I deal with it. Anybody else, raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand. Nobody's here. Now let me ask this question. Let me ask this question, and I believe that there are people here today, and this is you. I believe there are people in the room today, and you know that you're not a Christian. Yeah, you're a good person. good is not good enough. Jesus, the perfect person, came and died for you. And so if you today know that you are not a Christian, you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today, today is the day 
when you can become a new creation. And all you need to do is right there where you're at, you just pray to God and you go to God and you say, God, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Save me. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. That's all you need to do today. And so what I find helps people is just this prayer here. These are not magic words. But if you know you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you, I, want, I invite you to right there where you're at, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Save me. I want to live for you. I want to live my life for you. I love you. With every single head still bowed, did you pray that prayer? Listen, if you just prayed that prayer or you know you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you know you want to be a new creation, you know you want to leave a different person than you were when you came in today, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, you raise your hand. You don't worry about what other people think. God's the most important person. He's the one that matters. You do what He wants you to do right now. As soon as I say three, if that's you, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody in the room, you raise your hand right now at this moment. Right now at this moment, you raise your hand. I believe that God is speaking to people right now. Father, I thank You. I thank You that in Jesus all things can be made new. And we know that's not just some hope and wishful thinking and we don't know whether or not it's true. It's true. It is true today. Every promise in Your Word is gloriously true. And God, we thank You for it. God, we praise You for it. God, I thank You for the decisions that have just been made. God, I pray that any step that needs to be taken, God, I pray that, that they would take it. Your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, here's what I want you to do right now. If you just made a decision for Jesus Christ, I want you to take your connection card and I want you to flip it over and I want you to indicate the decision you just made. If you just gave your life to Jesus, check that box. If you know you need to be baptized, listen, check that box. Next Sunday is your day. Let's do it. If you know, if, if God's leading you in a way, man, there's not even, a, we didn't even give a box on the back of that connection card. A lot of you raised your hand and say that God is dealing with you about a certain area. Write down what God did in your life today. And in just a few moments when we take up our offering, we want you to drop that card in the offering plate. We'll give you some further instructions. But don't leave today without telling somebody the decision that you made. All right, hey, uh, hey church, we want to switch gears here just a little bit. And we've got something really special for you. This is different than what we're doing right now. What we typically do if you come to Summit, this is different right now. Uh, we got something special for you today. So if uh, our backstage guests want to come on out and get ready, and uh, we got some guys that are going to come on up here and help and get them ready. Here we come. They're pumped. They're juiced. Let's give them some. Let's give them some love here. Let's give them some love. This is the elementary class from Summit Kids. Everybody say hello. All right. And here's what they're going to do. You know what? One of the great things we've been doing in 40 Days in the Word is we've been memorizing some Bible verses. Remember, you've got a bookmark and there's still some out there. Well, Summit Kids, we want you to know, hey, when they're back there, they're not just back there uh, getting hot, getting juiced up on sugar and cookies and stuff like that so that we can let them loose with you after the service. These kids are getting pumped with the Word of God and they're memorizing it. And we want to show you how they're memorizing it. 
So they're going to come and they're going to sing. And I want you to clap with them. I want you to show, show them some love and support and get behind Summit Kids, our elementary class this morning. All right? So if our guys up there in the booth want to get started, you guys go ahead. Let's give it up for them. And listen, listen, you look up 1 John 4, verse 7. Uh, that's what that says. And I guarantee everybody in the room just memorized 1 John 4, verse 7. Man, I love that song. That's awesome. Good job, guys. Good job. All right. All right. Here you go. I think, I think they're coming for you. Hey, hey, listen. Right there, what you just saw, uh, you guys make that possible every week. 
when you give. In fact, if our ushers want to come up, go ahead and, and get in place, all of our ushers, so you guys can go ahead and get ready. Uh, when you give every week, you make that possible. You make it possible that, that, that our students, that our kids are back there in those rooms right now learning the Bible and they're growing, their lives are being changed. You make it possible for the students right here in these first two rows and, and mixed throughout all the crowd to be impacted. Listen, what you give every week, God uses to change lives. So we want you to know that. So, so we're going to take a quick moment and worship God by receiving our offering. Let's pray and our ushers will begin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. God, I pray that, that as we give today, we give with cheerful hearts, knowing, God, that you gave your son for us. And, God, so we get this opportunity to give to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our ushers are going to go ahead and begin to collect our offering today. also drop those connection cards in there. If you forget about your connection card, then we're going to uh, give you one, one more opportunity to give those here in just a moment. church has it been good to be here today let's thank God for what he's done here today and listen uh, right there in the back of the auditorium we have people there right now at our next step booth our next step area any decision you've made today you can stop there and talk to somebody about baptism uh, life groups we've got free Bibles and free uh, books we call them uh, we call them uh, uh, seek first everything back there is free you stop by, back by there and talk to somebody on your way out if you didn't give your connection card do it right there at the next step booth there in the back of the auditorium. If you're a first-time guest, we got a free gift for you in the back. Don't forget that. And don't forget the car show right outside. Free food. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time, so you can hang out for just a few moments. Uh, if you can, somebody's going to win a $50 gas card. It's going to be a good time. Hey, love you guys. Don't, don't forget, come back next week. Bring somebody with you. You guys are dismissed. Love you guys. We will see you in the parking lot. <laughs>